0: The vision received was that of blood cells traveling throughout the body supplying the much needed oxygen and other nutrients to the differing members of the body to fulfill their purpose. Once the blood cells are spent, they must return back to the heart to be refilled before being sent out again and fulfill their purpose. I'm glad uh, that we were able to meet this night uh, to conclude um, this mini part of the longer series of the principles of the doctrine of Christ but we're going to conclude baptisms. Um, and we spoke of baptisms and and the uh many different reasons for the precedents for water baptisms. And we spoke of the the many uh precedents for spirit baptism. Um and 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 the examples are are many. Not one, not two. Not even 3, more than that. At least five that I can think of, and maybe more um, if I really analyze it. But I mean, concrete, clear-cut examples—four to five, at least—and others where not everything was as as detailed. But uh, the the precedent set in in Acts chapter two on the day of Pentecost um, is repeated multiple, multiple times throughout the scriptures. And I think it's important that not only do we see it clearly as this is how it was done, whether we understand why or not, this is uh, what was done, this is what was said, this is what was expected. But even though all of that is there, um, and, and maybe if you were in that time, you would uh, been gripped in your heart, and you would might have responded in the same manner as many of them did. And it wasn't until many years later that there was a greater understanding as to why did we need to get baptized in the water. Why did we need to get baptized in the Spirit? And that's as important um, in in, uh, the understanding as the actual act of obedience. It's important that we understand because if we don't, then other than blind obedience, we really can't share with another person the reason why. And it's important to know why was it so important that we all get baptized in water, in Jesus' name, and why we all needed to receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit. So that's why, where I'm going to conclude baptisms. Why baptism in water and in spirit? What is the necessity? Why is it so essential? So let us first consider Acts chapter 22, verse 16. Just another example of the many examples that we've already gone over. And we'll start with John, Acts 22, 16. And Deborah, I'll have you read Hebrews 9, 14. Um. (laughs) Acts 22, 16. Uh, And then... Deborah will read Hebrews 9, 14. Acts 22 is Paul retelling or, or recounting re, uh, his baptismal experience. And he says, And now why tarriest thou? Arise, and be baptized, and wash away thy sins, calling on the name of the Lord. That was Ananias. No. Is that his name? I think I'm confusing with Ananias Ananias and Sapphira. It is Ananias. Yes. Yeah, it is Ananias. Okay. For some reason, I confused myself. Um, Ananias, if you remember, went to Paul when he was blinded by the Lord. Paul had fasted for three days, and he was waiting for the servant of the Lord to come to him. And he's retelling how when Ananias came to him, he says, why are you waiting here? Ananias said, Paul, why are you waiting here? Get up. Go get baptized. And what does it say? Wash away thy sins. Baptism is in water. Wash away thy sins. How? Calling on the name of the Lord. So baptism was in the name of the Lord. Paul even, the great apostle, wrote two-thirds of the new covenant also. Needed to follow the example that we so saw so clearly last week, or last time we were here, laid out of where Jesus left us an example that we should follow in His footsteps. And then Hebrews nine fourteen starts giving us understanding. Nine
1: fourteen or nine
0: sixteen? I'm sorry. Did I say sixteen? You said
1: fourteen. 14. I meant oh, yeah. Hebrews nine fourteen. 40, I went to okay. 16. How much more shall the blood of Christ who through the eternal spirit offered himself without spot to God purge your conscience from dead works to serve the living God?
0: So here we see that it is the blood of Christ that purges your conscience from dead works. And we've already gone over dead works because that was the beginning of our series. Repentance from dead works. Our conscience needed to be purged from dead works, from the ways that were contrary to the Spirit of the Lord, the ways that were contrary to the Word, the ways or works of the flesh. And according to the Scriptures, water baptism is the act of faith through obedience that applies the blood of Christ to our lives. And what does it do? It washes away our sins it purges our conscience from guilt, from shame, from our past behaviors, and failures, and more specifically in general, from dead works. Works that produced death. It says the wages of sin is what? Death. Sin is dead works. But it purged our conscience of the guilt, of the shame, so that we could be free to serve the living God. So let's consider Sissama Vena, Romans chapter 6, 3. Again, this whole, tonight's lesson is really focusing on the why. The why do we have to experience all of these things? One element of being baptized in water is so that we could wash away our sins, calling upon the lame Lord, that applies the blood of Christ uh, to, to our lives, so that we can be purged from the guilt and the shame of our past, so that we could freely serve the living God. And let's notice also what it says in Romans chapter 6 verse 3.
1: Know you not, know you not that so many of us, as we're baptized into Jesus Christ, we're baptized into his death.
0: Now the first century Christians, when they just heard Peter on the day of Pentecost, they didn't ask, why do I need to get baptized? But see, in Romans, many, many years later, Paul is explaining to the Gentile Christians what was the purpose of baptism. What was its significance? And he says, Many of that so many of us were baptized, there's that word, into Jesus Christ, were also baptized into his death. You see, God required that there be a shedding of blood. He said without the shedding of blood, there is no, what? Remission of sins. But see, he didn't require our blood. He required Christ's blood. Well, Christ already died. So no more blood is required. He's not requiring our deaths to pay for our sins. That's the whole meaning of him coming and being our um, propitiation for not his sins, for our sins. He was in place of us and he paid the penalty for us. So it also says in Romans 6, 4, you can also read that as well.
1: Okay. Therefore, we are buried with him by baptism into death that like the, that like as Christ was raised up from the dead by the glory of his father even so we also should walk into newness of life
0: so when we were baptized we should be unashamed to be baptized in his name to call upon the name of Jesus because in that act which is its faith its faith in action it's it's a biblical response to the gospel our our faith and obedience coming together joins us with Jesus into his death. So now it is no longer that I need to die like he did. I need to die to something, but not like die like he did. We die to our old self. Let that old man die. So that what? So that we can be raised up again to live a new life. We're not, we're not wanting to live the old life. We want a new life, and that's what Jesus did for us. So, baptism in the water and in the Spirit, baptisms, is an act of faith through obedience that allows us to say, that allows us to experience that, quote, I died and am resurrected alive in Christ. Those two elements of baptisms allows us to not just say, but also to experience that I died with Christ and now that I've received the baptism of the Spirit, I am now living with Christ and in Christ and He's in me. Just like Jesus was describing, I'm in the Father and the Father's in me. Well, now that we receive the baptism of the Holy Ghost, He is in me and now I'm in Him. That's what it did for us. Peter didn't explain that in detail when he said that on the day of Pentecost. You had to have faith. You had to hear the gospel. You had to respond to it. And later on, you got the understanding. And that's okay. And and I'm a math teacher, and I I can't tell you how many times when I was in math classes in school that I would go through... when Once I learned my multiplication tables... Math was like easy for me. And as I grew further and further in math and got into geometry and got into trigonometry and got into what was called GTA in high school, geometry, trigonometry, and algebra, I sometimes didn't understand a lot of the stuff we were doing. I, I literally did not understand what we were doing. But you know what? If he showed me on the board the steps, all I did was follow it. Without the understanding, I'd get the answer right. And that's kind of what happens when we may not understand fully what all this stuff is about, but when we um, put our faith behind what the gospel is requiring of us, whether we have the understanding or not, we can get the right answer. In other words, we can get saved without the understanding. We'll get the understanding later, and that's okay. But it's important to have the understanding because now that I have the understanding, I could share it with anybody else. It's not just an act of blind obedience. No, there was something very significant about it. Very meaningful. I had to die to my old self and I had to be resurrected and be able to be led of the Spirit of God. It says, those that are led of the Spirit of God, they are what? You you? The sons of God. Another reason why I needed the gift of the Holy Ghost. I needed to become a son of God. It is the spirit of adoption where we cry Abba Father. He adopted us by the spirit. So we are buried by water baptism into his death. This is how we die. This is what he requires of us. But what is it? What is the greater significant? That I died to my old self. That I died to the self that walked in dead works. I'm not going to walk in that anymore which is why the whole principles of the doctrine of Christ starts off with what? Repentance. What are we repenting from? Dead works. From our old ways, from our old thinking, from our old way of being. We don't want to walk in that anymore. And in the same manner that Christ was raised up from the dead by the glory of the Father, it says, His most precious Holy Spirit, we also walk in the newness of life by His Holy Spirit. So we really need the gift of the Holy Ghost if we're going to walk in the newness of life. Because again, the significance of Jesus dying and being buried is no longer significant if he didn't rise up from the grave. It's He's just another man. Like everybody else, he died and he stayed dead. But the whole significance of him dying and being buried is that he rose again. And so the same needs to happen to us. Again, we walk in his footsteps. He left us an example. And just like he was raised from the grave, so we need to be raised from the dead. What does "the dead mean? From dead works. So let's consider, uh, Sister Monica, Romans 8, 1 and 2, and then Ralph can read 3, 4, 5. Romans chapter 8, Monica you could read 1 and 2, and Ralph you could read 3, 4, 5.
1: There is therefore no no condemnation to them which are in Christ Jesus, who walk not after the flesh, but after the Spirit, for the law of the Spirit of life in Jesus Christ has made
2: me free from the law of sin and death. For what the law law could not do, and that it was weak through the flesh, God sending his own Son in likeness of sinful flesh, and for sin, condemned sin in the flesh, that the righteousness of the law might be fulfilled in us, who walk not after the flesh, but after the Spirit. For they that are of the flesh do mind the things of the flesh, but they are after the spirit,
0: the things of the spirit. There's a lot said there, so I'm going to just try to highlight some very important points. The newness of life is according to what? This newness of life that I've been just describing, according to Romans, is it, the newness of life is according to what? spirit. spirit. The new law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus. It comes by the spirit. You want to walk in the newness of life? You got to walk in the spirit of life in Christ Jesus. It doesn't come separate from it. So if you, we, we can't just repent from our old ways and think, well, I'm going to go and now do what I think is right. No, you need to be led by the spirit of the living God. You need to be led by the Spirit of life in Christ Jesus. Now we are free from the old law of sin and death. When we die in Him, we're now free from the old law. That law doesn't pertain to us anymore. Is is, is there something wrong with the law? There's nothing wrong with the law. It's just that we can't fulfill it. So what does it say? We don't need to fulfill the law in order to obtain righteousness. How do we obtain righteousness? He made a way that the righteousness of the law would be fulfilled in us. He made a way. And it says clearly there what it is. How? Did anybody catch it? How does the righteousness of the law get fulfilled in us when we do what? Exactly. In other words, don't walk more in the flesh. That's dead works, walking in the flesh. But if you walk in the Spirit... According to the Spirit, now righteousness can be uh, developed and fulfilled in you. But it doesn't come different from that. I could not, before being born again, walk in that. Just can't do it. It's not possible. We walk according to the new law of the Spirit of life in Christ Jesus when we obtain the Spirit of God. The law supersedes the old law and frees us from the law of sin and death. The righteousness of the law is fulfilled in us not when we walk in the flesh, but when we walk after the Spirit. I'm just highlighting those elements. We can't just read over them. We need to think about that and meditate on that because sometimes it's so easy for us to get in the flesh And to think that we know everything and we know what's right and and all of this knowledge, we think just because we have all this knowledge that that's going to help us. No, you might fall into the trap of the Pharisees who knew the law, but they didn't know Him. We talked about that before. They knew all the law, but they didn't know Him. They didn't even recognize Him. He was standing right in front of them. He was speaking to them. So knowledge is not the thing. But allowing the Spirit of God to live in you and move through you and speak through you, that's the thing. That's what is needed in our lives. And that's one, another reason why you needed to get the Spirit of God, the baptism of the Holy Ghost. Now Romans 6-5, just going back two chapters, Romans 6-5, Paul also said this to the Romans. And that'll be uh, Patricia. For we,
1: if we have been planted together in the likeness of his death, we shall also in the likeness of his resurrection.
0: So we have been planted, past tense, right? Us grammar fiends. Past tense. We have been planted together in the likeness of his death. How? By baptism in water when we obeyed. And it says we shall also in the resurrection. Isn't that what Peter said on the day of Pentecost? Repent, every one of you, and be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins, for the remission of your sins, and ye, what? Shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost, for it's a promise unto you, unto your children, and all those that are far off, that, are, that, are far off, that are will call upon the name of the Lord. That's the succession right there. And they're all necessary. So when it says, and shall be also in his resurrection, there's a promise to receive the gift of the Holy Ghost by the baptism of the Spirit. That'll bring that to fruition. You can read verse 6 as well. Knowing
1: this, that our old man is crucified with him, that the body of sin might be destroyed, that henceforth we should not serve sin...
0: Now this is where I get a little uh, uh wordy on you. And I just want to bring to you some understanding of just oh, the word destroyed. When it says that the body of sin might be destroyed, the Greek word means inactivated. What does it mean to inactivate some sort of appliance? It shut it off. The body of sin is shut off. It's inactivated. It's to render idle, to be unemployed, to be inoperative, to cause a person or a thing to have no further efficiency, power, force, or influence. That's what it meant to be destroyed. Not like you blew it up in some atom bomb or something. But that the body of sin, it's no longer operative in your life. So I call that the sin factory. Our old man was a sin factory. It could not help but sin. It was fallen. No matter how good it tried to be. Once you broke the law, that's it. It, You were done. It it, it doesn't matter. You could have broken five days into your life. You could have broken it 500 days into your life. You could have broken it 5,000 days into your life. As soon as you broke it, it was done. That's it. It's over. Now, for us, it happens very, very early on. We're sitting when we're toddlers. It happens way, way early because we're living in this fallen world. There's this sin nature that's at work in us. So, the sin factory that is our flesh has become inactivated. It has been rendered powerless or inoperative. Jesus did this so that we would not have to, that's the key, have to serve sin. Before we had to, we had no choice. But now, what's this newness of life? We didn't have the choice before him, but now we, now we can be led, we can be empowered by the Spirit of Christ. We couldn't have, we couldn't say that before. And I've talked to you before about the Old Covenant. The Spirit of the Lord was in them or upon them? Anybody remember? Spirit of the Lord was in them in the old covenant or upon them? them. It was upon them. And it was upon them to fulfill a specific purpose that God needed, such as raising up judges and being, and raising up deliverers for, for a certain period of time. And then, you know, he would lift off like, uh, Saul. He was upon Saul. He anointed Saul king. And then all of a sudden Saul began to rebel, rebellish. The Spirit of the Lord left. But now, He's in us. He lives within us. Now we can be empowered. Now we can be led by the Spirit of Christ. We did what, before we did whatever our father Satan wanted to do. But now we're no longer forced to be a slave to sin. We can leave that sin factory. And we can walk into what I call the Spirit Factory. The Spirit of Righteousness. So Second Corinthians says thirteen verse four. I'll read it since it's yes, it's I'm in line. Second thirteen second Corinthians chapter thirteen verse four says, For though he was crucified through weakness, yet he liveth by the power of God. For we also are weak in him, but we shall live with him by the power of God toward you. I'm trying to let the Scriptures reinforce and affirm everything that I've been sharing with you. He was crucified through weakness, yet he liveth by the power of God. What was it that raised him from the dead? The the Spirit of God raised him from the dead. But we're also weak in him, but we're also going to live by what? The power of God. The Spirit of God. That's how we now live in this born-again life that that he's, he's given us. So being baptized in water and in spirit allows us to confidently and boldly say and live out that Galatians 2.20. This is what Paul said. This is what we should all be saying because we all experience the born-again experience just as Paul did, just as Peter, just as John, just as all the other apostles, just as all the other 120 in the upper room, just as all the 3,000 on the day of Pentecost and all those saints that we saw come into the kingdom where the Lord added to them daily. We all experience this and we should all be confessing what Paul said. I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live. Yet not I, but Christ liveth in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. Paul says, I am crucified. I have been put to death with Christ. And this life that you see me living, it's not I that live, Paul said. It's Christ that lives in me. The life that I live now in the flesh, I now live by the faith of the Son of God. Remember what biblical faith is. Remember biblical faith. What was biblical faith? What did we say? Two words. Before obey. Hearing and obeying. Hearing and obeying. Now I live by hearing and obeying the Son of God. Because that's what faith is. And we've, we've hit that ad nauseum in all the years that we've come together. Biblical faith is hearing and obeying the Word of God. So when it says, I now live by the faith of the Son of God, I now live by hearing and obeying Jesus. Because he loved me, and he gave his life for me. Remember, faith is defined as a fully persuaded belief, but it's followed by what? Action that coincides with that belief, that agrees with that belief. It's not simply a mental assent of knowledge or of the truth. It's not simply agreeing with something that is true. Biblical faith provokes you to act upon that belief in some fashion. It allows you to dictate your actions. So a synonym that I think is better suited to that biblical definition of the faith is word trust. I trust him so much that whatever he says, I'm going to follow it. That's why Peter was able to walk on water. Because in that moment, even though he, you know, he sank afterward, in that moment he heard the Lord and he just walked on water. He heard and obeyed. And he was able to do something miraculous that in and of himself he would not be able to do. Trust has the more the connotation of you surrendering. You abandon yourself into the care of another. That's why I like the word trust. I like it when it's translated trust. It makes a lot of sense in our day and age because we understand what trust is when we trust somebody. We understand it is when we don't trust somebody. They say something, we ain't listening. I don't trust him. But when we trust somebody, we know what that means in this day. You know, like I trust my other brother from another brother, Elder John. I trust him. You know, my kids stay over at his house. I trust him. And so my trust follows with actions that, that that yeah, you can tell that I trust Him. So biblical faith is absolutely and undeniably active in nature. It is not passive. It is active in its expression. By faith, we are crucified with Christ. And in Christ. We live, but it really isn't us, it's Christ living His life through us. When we allow Him, when we surrender, when we abandon ourselves into His care, we live, excuse me, by the faith of the Son of God. The faith of the Son of God is a life that is completely abandoned and surrendered to the will of God, just like the man Jesus Christ. So we no longer have to serve sin because Jesus doesn't sin. Jesus doesn't sin. If we walk in the Spirit, would we ever sin? No. I couldn't do that before. If I walk in the Spirit, I will not sin. You will not sin if you walk in the Spirit. You will do no wrong. You will be faultless and blameless in everything you say and in everything you do and everything you think, every meditation of your heart, as long as it's in line with God in His Word and led of the Spirit, you won't sin. You didn't have that power before. You didn't have that ability before. So if we walk in the Spirit, we will not sin. Romans 6, 7, Deborah. And then, Malvina, you can read 1 Peter 2, 24. So the verses are Romans chapter 6, verse 7. And Malvina, 1 Peter 2, 24.
1: -hmm that is dead is from
0: The man that is dead can no longer sin. he's dead. So if we're dead in Christ, if our old man is dead, we are now have an opportunity to live something differently. And then First Peter two twenty four says what?
1: Who is on self bear our sins in his own body of the tree that we being dead to sins should live into righteousness by whose stripes we are healed. We were healed.
0: So when he was on the cross, he bore our sins. We 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 got that. We understand that. And 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 we just talked about what baptism in water did for us. We were baptized into his death, so just as he died, so were we dead. When we're dead to what? To sins. We don't need to have this sin factory in operation anymore. Should live unto righteousness. We now should live unto righteousness. And then, there's that famous saying, by whose stripes you were healed. But what came before that? that you died with Him, that you are dead to your sins, and you're living unto righteousness. And the stripes that He paid on the cross, now we can appropriate the healing. Death should really never have dominion over us. If by faith we are truly dead, then we're freed from sin. That... That's something that we all should be meditating on, thinking on that and, and, and trying to, uh, trying to ask the Lord, God, I need to understand that because that is so liberating when you understand that you are dead to sin when you died and were baptized and you now have the Spirit of God in your life. You have a capability you never had before. We live not for ourselves. We die. We live to serve God. We live to serve Him, by Him, by His Spirit, through Him. We no longer live in sin, but we live to righteousness. So Romans 6, 9, and 10, Monica, what does it say? Romans chapter 6, verse 9 and 10.
1: that Christ, being raised from the dead, dieth no more, death has no more dominion over him. For in that he died, he died unto sin once. But in that he lived, he liveth unto God.
0: So death didn't have dominion over Christ. Death does not have dominion over us. Death can shout from the rooftops all at once. I've been purchased. You've been purchased by the blood. We will not die again because we live unto God. And that's eternal. There's nothing that could take us from His hand. Our flesh may die, but I've told y'all many times before, this isn't really me. This is an expression of who I am. Who I am is really a spirit. It's the spirit of that he breathed into his body that gives me life. It's my spirit that you guys are are coming, that you guys are getting to know through what? Through my flesh. But this flesh is going to die. Not my spirit. My spirit will never die. And neither will yours. It's not like, you know, I'm, I'm special here. No, neither will yours. None of your spirits will die. Our spirits will live eternally with Jesus. God never died, but his flesh did. He raised up that body and glorified it. And he lives forever. So he died once, right? Is he ever going to die again? No. No, that's one of the reasons why Moses could not go into the promised land. Remember the rock? He struck the rock the first time. And what came out? Water. Water. That typified Jesus Christ dying on the cross once. He was smitten. He was stricken. And what poured out? Life. His death brought forth our life. So Moses struck the rock the first time. What was he told to do the second time? Speak to the rock. He was told to speak to the rock. So now that Christ has already died, we should be speaking to Christ. Lord, help me. Lord, I need. Lord, Lord, Lord. And talking with him. Lord, Lord, Lord. But what did Moses do? He struck the rock rock again. again. He broke the script. And that's why he couldn't go into the promised land. So, I've told you this before. We are not allowed to just start walking in sin again. Because what's that going to do? That's going to put Christ on the cross again? I'm going to willfully walk in sin after the knowledge, after being saved, and put Him to death on the cross again? No, sorry. That's not going to happen. Now I'm going to pay for my sins. If I willfully walk in sin afterward, I'm going to pay for my sins. Christ is only going to die once. Nobody's going to strike Him again. Nobody's going to bring Him down. Nobody's going to kill Him. Nope, it's not going to happen. So we died once. When? think all of us here experienced it. Yeah, when? Yeah. When we were baptized. We don't need to die again. We don't need to. Our flesh may, but that's not me. We live now by the Spirit unto God forever. We never need to die again. Romans 6.14. What does it say, Ralph? as we consider these scriptures?
2: For sin shall have... For sin not have dominion over you for ye are not under the law but under grace
0: sin will not have dominion over us either not death not sin we are not under the law we are now under what grace now that has been twisted and perverted in this day grace 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 is the spiritual empowerment of His Spirit that causes you to walk in righteousness. Today's definition in popular Christianity is, Oh, that's God's unmerited favor. Oh, man, He's just going to bless you, He's going to bless your socks off, and you don't have to do anything about it. Because that's grace. Nope. I mean, grace is that He's going to come to you in your state of fallenness, in your state of corruption, and He's going to shine the light of revelation so that you can respond and change your ways. But when He baptizes you and causes you to be born again, He gives you His Spirit so that He can work and fulfill righteousness in you. True righteousness. He fulfills righteousness in us because He is doing and living through us. It's not I that live, but Christ that lives in me. It's all about Him being one God and Father of all, who is above all and through all, and you know what it says? And in you all. That's from Ephesians 4, 6. One God, and Father of all, who is above all, and through all, and in you all. He's speaking to the church. Paul was speaking to the church at Ephesus. The penalty of sin is death, no doubt. The law of sin and death simply states that if you sin, you die. We were all under the law and that penalty, but God made a way for us to come out from under that law. When we obey the gospel of Jesus Christ, we get baptized into water, not only for the forgiveness of sins, but because Jesus paid our death penalty. And when we die in him, we also die to the law. It has no more dominion over us. Ephesians 5.25 says, Even as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for it. See, in the Old Covenant, because of the law, if a man and a woman were married, they remained married until what? Until the death of one of them. Well, think of it that way. We were married to our old self, that sinful life of dead works, and without somebody dying, and the only person that can die is me, uh, we're stuck. We're stuck in that marriage of sinfulness. Well, Christ took it upon himself to die for us. Gave us a way to not actually physically die because he died for us, but to die with him. So now that I'm dead to him, can I get out from that first marriage? Can I get out from that first state of being? Yeah. I'm free from what? The law of sin and death. I'm no longer under that anymore. I'm now under grace. I'm now married to the spirit of life in Christ Jesus. I have a new way of being, a new life in him. So what does that result in? That results in us being free to walk according to the freedom that is found in the new law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus. This new life in Christ Jesus is not going to cause me to sin. It is not a license that allows me to sin if I choose to, but it is the divine empowerment of God in me to be able to walk in his righteousness. And the same goes for all of you. So let's read Titus, I forgot where we're at, Titus chapter 3-5. Who hmm. reads next? Forgot so who last read. Oh. Patricia? Okay, Titus 3 verse 5. Let's consider that scripture.
1: Righteousness which we have done, but according to his mercy he saved us by the washing of regeneration and renewing of the Holy Ghost.
0: There is no way that we could have saved ourselves, there is no amount of righteousness, works of righteousness, it says, which we have done that we are saved. No, it was according to what his mercy. That's the only way we could be saved if He was merciful to us. But look at what it says. Merciful to us by the washing of regeneration and the what? Renewing of the Holy Ghost. Gosh, that seems akin to water and spirit. It was incredibly important, essential, necessary, that we both get baptized in water and spirit. We are baptized into the body of His death through water, the washing of regeneration, but we were also baptized into the body of His life. That's the body of the resurrected Christ through His Spirit. That's the renewal of the Holy Ghost. Let us also consider what it says in 1 Corinthians 6.11. Everybody turn. 1 Corinthians 6.11. Paul wrote what we just read to Titus about washing of regeneration and renewing of the holy ghost but Paul also used the same type of picture or description when he was speaking to the Corinthians and he said in 1 Corinthians 6:11 and such were some of you but ye are what washed, washed. and ye are what sanctified. sanctified and ye are justified never sin in the name of the Lord Jesus and by the Spirit of our God. There's that two elements again. Washing and being sanctified. And if you read the Scriptures enough, you know you are sanctified by the Spirit. It says, He saved us by the sanctification of the Spirit and the belief of the truth. So we are washed, we are sanctified, we are justified by both the name of the Lord Jesus, it's in there, and the Spirit of our God. When did we call upon the name of the Lord? When we got baptized. When did Paul call upon the name of the Lord? Go wash away thy sins doing what? Calling upon the name of the Lord. It was referring to baptism. And then the Spirit of our God, obviously that's referring to the Spirit. So again, the work here is shown inseparable. Remember I told you several weeks ago as I was going through the Scriptures, I felt like, well... If you got baptized in water, that's good enough. No, no, I I can't say that because of these scriptures. And i have said, well, baptism of the Spirit seems to be a whole lot more important. No, I can't say that either. No, they're both essential. They both are, and they don't get separated. Even when they're describing and giving understanding, Paul and Peter are not separating the importance of the two. So John, will you read 1 Corinthians 10, 1 through 2? The work is inseparable. Baptism and water and spirit. And we'll see it in a type in the Old Covenant with what he's about to read. 1 Corinthians 10, one and 2. Moreover, brethren, I would not that ye should be ignorant. how that all of our fathers were under the cloud and all passed through the sea. And all were baptized unto Moses in the cloud and in the sea. And there it is again. Baptized in the cloud. What was the cloud? They called it the glory cloud. And what did it do? It led them through the wilderness. What does the Spirit of God do? Lead us through the wilderness. Doesn't, didn't the glory cloud come down and and uh uh what what wasn't it a fire by night? Didn't it bring light by night? Giving them vision and under in the darkness of the world? And wasn't it a cloud in the day to give them shade? So he's talking about the Spirit of God when he's talking about the cloud. They were baptized into Moses in the cloud, just like we're baptized into Jesus by the Holy Ghost or the Holy Spirit. But it also says we were baptized into Moses in the sea. Well, we were baptized into Jesus in the water. They're inseparable there too. See, that's always been his plan. That has always been how he saves and delivers his people. In the Exodus, we see the blood, the water, and the Spirit. Where was the blood? Anybody remember? We talked about that. Blood on the doorpost. doorpost. It kept us from the judgment. And then the water through the Red Sea, we were baptized into Moses in in the sea. Well, that's what they're saying here. And then we were also baptized in the cloud. So even in the New Covenant, shows that the Old Covenant did not separate the baptisms. They're not separated here. All were baptized into Moses, who was a type and a foreshadow of Jesus, in the cloud, which is a type and a foreshadow of the baptism in the Spirit, and in the sea, which is a type or foreshadow of the baptism in water. It's all there. Galatians 3, 20... uh, Is it your turn? No, Sorry. 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 Deborah's turn. Galatians 3, 27. everyone, Galatians three
1: twenty seven. For as many of you as have been baptized in Christ, into Christ have put on Christ.
0: That's an interesting little tweak to everything we said. Okay, we knew we were baptized into Christ, we were baptized into His death, but it says here that being baptized into Christ refers both into His death for He didn't remain dead and neither did we, but also into His life because He resurrected and so we did in Him. So we can say that we are dressed with Christ. We are clothed with Christ. Well, if I'm clothed with Him, then who should I be expressing? Who should people be seeing? Christ. And if I walk in the Spirit, they will. And some of them are going to like it and most are not. Most are going to get offended. Being First Corinthians uh, twelve verse thirteen, Melvina. Let's consider that one as we nearly come to a close. First Corinthians twelve thirteen.
1: For by one Spirit are we all baptized into one body, whether we be Jews or Gentiles, whether we be bond or free. And been all made to
0: drink into one so what he just said there, it refers to the Jews, it refers to the Gentiles, it refers to free men, it refers to slaves. In other words, it refers to everybody. There's nobody that this does not refer to. By the one and only Spirit of God, we were baptized into His body, the church. Is His body, the church, dead? Anybody? Is Jesus' body, the church, dead? It's just a yes or no. Is it dead? Of course not. Jesus is the head of his body. Everybody everybody in his body, his whole body is alive. He is alive. So we, the church, we're not dead. We're alive. His physical body that resurrected represented his spiritual body. So one spirit baptized us into a living body because it's not a dead body. And the living body of Jesus Christ is active and present throughout the world right now, today, bringing light and hope to what a dark and a lost world. Of course we can't be dead. His body can't be dead. He's moving and working through us to save all mankind. Whomsoever will, whomsoever will call, whomsoever will. Monica, Colossians 2.12
1: Buried with him in baptism Wherein also ye are risen with him Through the faith of the operation of God who has raised him from the dead.
0: So again, Paul is claiming we were buried past tense, meaning he's speaking to the church. He's reminding the church or, or letting the church know, hey, remember you were buried already. You already died in baptism with him. That is why water baptism is a type of death and burial of Jesus Christ. But we are also what? Risen. That's present tense. We are alive right now with Him, in Him, through the faith of the operation of God. The operation of God is akin to the Holy Spirit, that God raised Him from the dead. It is the Holy Spirit that enlivens, that quickens our mortal bodies and empowers us to serve the living God. Ralph, will you read First Peter 3.21? And everybody will turn to First Peter three twenty one.
2: The like figure, whereunto even baptism doth also now save us, not putting away of the, the filth of the flesh, but the answer of a good conscience toward God. By
0: the resurrection of Jesus Christ. So we've talked about this before. Repentance is akin to death. Dying to our lust, dying to our desires that are contrary to God. But baptism is akin to burial. But Peter said that baptism also, what? Now saves us. How? By the resurrection of Jesus Christ. So we have a good conscience toward God. Why do we have a good conscience toward God? It said previously in other scriptures that by works of right, by works of our own righteousness, we are not saved. It said that. So it has nothing to do with what we did, but it says here that baptism now saves us not by the putting away of the flesh, but an answer of a good conscience toward God. Why should we have a good conscience? Was it our own bright idea that we came up with that said, Oh yeah, I got to get in the water so I can be saved eternally. Was that our bright idea? No, it wasn't our bright idea. Uh, We heard it. We heard it from the Lord. And faith is hearing Him and obeying. So, because we have obeyed the gospel, because we have obeyed what the Lord said to do, I don't have any doubt. Because I'm not relying upon my bright idea to save myself eternally. I'm not relying on my good intentions to save myself. I'm not relying on my good deeds or my good thoughts. I'm simply relying on, well, Jesus said, do this, and so I did it. And now I rest, like I'm resting in this chair, and it's holding me up. I rest in knowing that I did what Jesus told me to do. So I don't have a guilty conscience. I don't have, I don't feel any guilt, any burden, any weight that I gotta do this, I gotta do that. And no, I've already done what he told me to do. Now Peter will not separate the water and the Spirit. He recognizes both, even in this scripture. And he affirms the essentiality of both. Baptism does also now save us by the resurrection. Resurrection had nothing to do with baptism and death. Resurrection had to do with rising from the grave. So he's not separating it again. So knowing that we died, knowing that we were buried, knowing that we are now risen in him, The next three passages should have a whole new meaning, and I'm just going to read them out. You can write them down. They are Matthew 16, 25, Mark 8, 35, and John 2, 25. I'll repeat it again. Matthew 16, verse 25, Mark chapter 8, verse 35, and John. Chapter 2 verse 25. And they all pretty much say the same thing. They're parallel passages. So let me just read them. For whosoever will save his life shall lose it. And whosoever will lose his life for my sake shall find it. What life do you think they're talking about? Or what life do you think Jesus was talking about? The life right to lose you. Than what our life was exactly if I'll lose that life for Jesus sake then I'm gonna find life so he says in mark 8:34 for whosoever will save his life in other words if you save the life that you're living before me you're going to lose it eternally but if you will give it up if you will lose it for my sake because I told you for the gospels, it shall be saved. The life that you want eternally shall be saved. So he says, He that loveth his life, the life of dead works, shall lose it. He that hateth his life in this world hates the fact that he was contrary, that he was rebellious, that he was sinful, that he was a transgressor and a covenant breaker. If he hates it, he's going to keep it into life eternal. That's the life Jesus was talking about. That old life, but he made a way for us to deal with that old life and then be able to walk in the newness of life. So we must lose our old life for his sake in order to find true life. We must lose our life for his sake and the gospel's to actually save it. So in other words, it's not just for, for Jesus' sake, it's also in obedience to his gospel. That's how it's going to be saved by him. And we must hate it. We must hate the old life. The life that acts independently. The life that acts undependent on God. Remember I talk, spoke to you about that several uh, uh, um, lessons ago. The dead works is a life that acts independent of God and undependent. Doesn't want to even rely on Him in order to keep eternal life that is only found through our Lord Jesus Christ. So death and burial are necessary to be resurrected. And we cannot be resurrected into the newness of life in Christ Jesus without dying. Which is why Peter, when he was preaching to Cornelius and his household, said, Who am I that I should forbid water? They had already gotten the Holy Ghost because they received the Holy Ghost just like we did. So that was already done, but he didn't stop there. So both are necessary. So baptism in water and spirit are necessary for all of the invention, for aforementioned reasons that I just gave tonight. They are essential to becoming what Jesus said to Nicodemus, how to be born again of the water and of the spirit. Amen. Thus is the ministry of our Father's heart through us. Our utmost desire is to be in the Father's heart, to know the Father's heart, and express the Father's heart. To you, If you appreciate listening to this podcast and were blessed, pass it along to a friend, an enemy, a co-worker, a stranger, by text, email, or word of mouth in the hopes that they might be positively impacted as you were. If you are interested in supporting our efforts, we would ask you to consider the following. One, pray for us. Two, leave a positive rating or review with whomever you listen to our podcast with. And three, if you so desire to contribute monetarily, you can do so at paypal.me slash jbenjesus. That's paypal.me forward slash jbenjesus. God bless.